You're listening to True Heart. Amy and Scott Mallon dive deep with celebrities, mavericks, visionaries, and real-life heroes to find out what sets their souls on fire. Get ready for some trockings. Here's Amy and Scott. And we're back, baby, for another episode of True Heart with us, Amy and Scott Mallon. We're still, still here. We're still here. We didn't go anywhere. And we hope we kept it locked. We hope you won't go anywhere. Because did you keep it locked? I did keep it locked. I'm always keeping it locked on, on our show. Um, and today's episode is so much fun because we're chatting with an old friend of mine, Mickey Agarwal, who is the ultimate disruptor. You are going to be so fired up and inspired by all the cool things that Mickey has done in her life. And she's only just getting started. And I want to remind you, please go subscribe to True Heart wherever podcasts are found. If you want the full experience to see our smiling faces and the beautiful faces of our guests, head on over to YouTube and subscribe there. And don't forget, uh, if you're searching the web, check out trueheart.com. You get the same great results you're used to from any other search engine, but all your searches will power donations to six amazing nonprofits that are out there changing the world. Uh, They're saving lives. They're fighting for equality. They're promoting animal welfare. They're protecting the planet. They're supporting our youth and they are protecting the planet. Did I say that one already? Yes, but they're also feeding the hungry. Feeding the hungry. Feeding the hungry. So Six amazing amazing causes that everyone can get behind. Basically, the whole gamut of, of doing good out there is covered by one of our charities. So every time you do a search... Uh, we donate 80% of our net profits to those six amazing charities, and it's a free and easy way to just help change the world. And I want to give a special shout out because we love our nonprofit partners, and they're doing amazing work every day to make this world a better place. We love you, Global Green, Action Against Hunger, Smile Train, Four Paws for Ability, PFLAG National, and Variety Boys and Girls Club. Yes. You guys are are out there in the trenches, on the front lines every day really lifting people up. So thank you for what you do. And we hope everyone watching or listening will join our community at trueheart.com. And get ready for an amazing conversation with Mickey. She is a, uh, a true original. And that's, you know, one of the things we really try to focus on on our podcast is talking to people who are like trailblazers and and heroes and thought leaders. And Mickey is just uh, an incredible person creator. It's not just that she's created, you know, these three amazing companies that are successful, it's why are they successful? Uh, creating original things, original products, uh, or in the case of the restaurants, you know, an original idea uh, for for pizza. But the idea is that you know it's one thing to be able to create something in your mind, but then put it in reality and then make it successful three times is pretty fantastic. So an incredible conversation is coming up. Yep, we hope you enjoy it. Today's episode is The Disruptor, and we have a very special guest. Mickey Agarwal is a social entrepreneur, advisor, and investor who uses creativity and disruptive innovation to challenge the status quo and change culture. She's the founder of several acclaimed social enterprises, Tushy, Thinks, and Wild, collectively valued at over $200 million. She's also the author of the number one best-selling books, Do Cool Shit and Disruptor. So let's get into it with today's guest, Mickey Agarwal. You've started three different movements in three different industries in the U.S., and you're no stranger to hearing the word no. As an entrepreneur, you have to deal with a lot of rejection. So Mickey, because you've been there and done that, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who 
want to start their own business and make their dream a reality? Yeah, um, I, you know, in my first book, Do Cool Shit, which really tells the story of my very, very first business, you know, figuring out what I wanted to do post 9-11 when I was supposed to be there on that day. That's when I was working in finance right across to World Trade Center. And I sort of, you know, after that whole wild, unprecedented experience, it was sort of, you know, asking myself the question, like, what do I want in my life? And so it led me to becoming an entrepreneur by the time I was 24, 25, opened my first business, my restaurant at 25 years old. And um, so, and I wrote Do Cool Shit really tells this whole story of how I raised the money for my first business, how I, you know, got press for the first business, how I figured out how to just come up with the idea and concept it at all when you just have a back of the napkin idea. And um, one of the things that I kind of realized is that um, I always ask myself three questions before starting any business. And this is something that I, I share a lot, but it's still true to this day. And um, the three questions I ask myself is the first is what sucks in my world. It really has to be a problem that sucks in my world where, you know, for example, having a stomach ache sucked in my world, which is why I started my gluten-free farm-to-table pizza restaurants, you know, having period-proof accidents constantly, having period accidents constantly, you know, every time I was on my period, which is such a messy experience, you know, sucked in my world. And then going to the bathroom and using dry toilet paper and just, you know, and while I was dealing with sort of a GI kind of issue and thyroid issue, which was causing not the cleanest poops. And so it was just a very messy experience and it was just a sucky problem in my life. So what sucks in my world? So like really answering that question. The second question is, does it suck for a lot of people? Um, if you think about, you know, the food industry, food sector, you know, one in five Americans are gluten free now, one in five Americans are lactose intolerant. In fact, most people are lactose intolerant to varying degrees. Um, you just and, don't even know it. A lot of them don't even yeah, realize it. And they, just like gas and stuff yeah. and shit, you know? Um, <laughs> um, and so does it suck for a lot of people? Yeah, like the pizza industry is a $32 billion industry. And yet we weren't at the time in 2004, 2005, nobody was making the alternative to your favorite comfort food. And so it was a sucky problem for a lot of people, but they yeah. kind of put up with it because they love it so much. You know, in my in, in the next, you know, industry, in the period industry, like does it suck for a lot of people? Well, if you're to ask every single woman, like, have you ever experienced a period accident in your life? Every single woman would raise their hand. And so it sucks for every woman on their periods. So it's a messy experience. And then, you know, going to the bathroom and using dry toilet paper, it just it's the grossest, it causes chronic UTIs, hemorrhoids, anal fissures, anal itching to the tune of, you know, tens and tens and tens of millions um, per people per year, not to mention, you know, um, bacterial vaginosis and then hemorrhoids and then people who have disabilities or people who are aging or just anybody who wants to be clean. It's just not a proper clean. It's just a dirty, you know, the, the analogy I always give is imagine if you jumped in your shower didn't turn the water on and just use dry toilet paper, you know, like people would be like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. And so it's sort of like, why are we doing that to the dirtiest part of our body? It doesn't make any logical sense. So does it suck for a lot of people? That sucks for a lot of people. And then the third question is, can I be passionate about this issue cause or community for a really long time? Because if it, you're starting something that you're not passionate about, you just won't, it'll just piddle off, you know, like, you know, I know, Amy, you've been 
excited and, and interested in, in events and community building and gathering for your whole life, which is why you're yeah. still doing it to this day. It's the same thing. It's like, can I be passionate about this issue cause your community for a really long time? For me, can I be passionate about food my whole life? Can I be passionate about women's issues and also breaking the period taboo, this shameful thing that people felt on the most important time of the month that creates human life? And then can I be passionate about saving 15 million trees every single year from getting flushed on the toilet? Can I be passionate about just hygiene for human, just an elevated human experience? Yes. Can I be passionate about the global sanitation crisis that's affecting 3 billion people on the planet? Yes, for the rest of my life. So yeah, what sucks in my world is it sucks for a lot of people. Can I be passionate about this for a really long time? So if those questions are all answered with a resounding yes, then, then I do it. That's such a simple philosophy and so beautiful because I think people, entrepreneurs skip one or two of those, you know, yeah. they're thinking, oh, how can I make money or uh, how can I scale this or, but they're not, they're not asking themselves. Like I know a guy, this is way back when, but you know, he wanted to make a nutritional product and his whole thing was, well, I think a lot of people take it. So I'm just going to put my own wrapping around it. I'm going to, you know, basically right. just get it done by a commercial manufacturer. I'll just put my own branding in it and I'll sell it because people seem to like it. And I think that's how a lot of people approach business. Like, how can I just, you know, redecorate this uh, and send it out to the market? And I think you could do okay doing that, but you're, okay. you're certainly not solving any problems and you're not being original. And I think the thing that's so cool about you is you're, you're doing things for if you look at all three of them, all three of what you've talked about, the pizza, the women's issues and, and the tushy is there are things that are kind of like people don't want to talk. People don't talk about. They didn't even realize it was a problem so much. I mean, they knew they had to deal with it, but it's like, ah, oh, just deal with it. And so like creating a solution, a beautiful solution for, for people who are like, oh, my God, I don't have to do this. Any, I don't have to deal with this anymore. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I I think that um, just to just to kind of finish the, the the first the first thought around that, which is like where people just kind of start something and just slap something on it and put it out and sell it. Um, you know, the the saying I always you know remember is like it takes ten years to be an overnight success. And you know, people you know, I always say, please don't start another t-shirt company because people who start t-shirt companies within a, a six months or within a few months are bored. They're not, there's no, yeah. there's no like problem they're solving. It's just a, like for money. And it's like, when you realize it's just for money, you just lose the passion. And if you can't be passionate about this for at least 10 years, like I always ask myself, can I sit in this discomfort of the entrepreneurial journey for, in this category for 10 years? And if my answer is no, then don't do it because that's usually how long it takes. And most people are like, yeah, I mean, you know, do be the next Instagram and sell it in two years and make a billion dollars. And you're just like, you're just like, it's like winning the lottery. And that's your, 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 your heart, you know, your true heart is not in the right place. It's in the, it's totally in the, it's in the place of just external validation, extrinsic validation. And it's just, it's not, it's not going to interest you for a really long time. I love it. It's really good food for thought for anyone watching or listening who wants to start a new business because you know Mickey's been there and she's created three of these very successful companies. She knows what it's like to give 110% of herself, her time, her financial resources, her love, her energy, and you have to be willing to make sacrifices. So to Mickey's point, if your heart is not completely in it, 
don't waste your time because it's an all or nothing ride as an entrepreneur. Um, but it's, it's definitely worth it once you find something that you're passionate about and you could share it with the world, especially if you have purpose-driven companies like you do that are making a difference in people's lives. It's also, it's also like life is short, you know, and we don't have a lot of time. And so if you're just spending it chasing, you know, what your idea of success is or what, I just want to have money power like but you have no concept of what you'd even do with it or 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 why you should want it you know if you're not enjoying the journey then what is the point i mean i, I we had this conversation with maxwell about uh he wants he played tennis a few days ago and he started lo just loved it and i was like oh my god this is like the first sport you really love like i i love playing basketball he'd come watch me play basketball I tried to get him to shoot baskets. He's like, no way. Yeah. Fucking leave me alone. <laughs> but all of a sudden tennis, he like loves it. And he's like, how do I become a pro tennis player? I'm like, well, <laughs> it's like what you said. I was like, first of all, it's going to take you at least 10 years to get yeah. good enough where you could even begin that conversation. So do you really want to play tennis every day, a few hours a day for 10 years? Think about that. Yeah. And it was like, he's like, oh, okay. Okay. But it's, 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 it's whatever it is. Totally. But I will say like, it's it's a great it's a great question to ask, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of people just jump into something very naively. Like for me with my restaurants, I was like, I mean, how hard could it be to start a restaurant? I mean, like, right? Like you're just cooking food in the back and serving people and getting money. Like, I don't know. And um, if I'd known how much is involved in it without having such a naive, like kind of rose colored view on it, maybe I wouldn't have done it. And so, or, or any of the businesses that, that are, that are so, that are, that just require a lot of time and attention. So I think it's that same kind of um, thing with playing sports is like, you kind of like scratch the itch in the moment and then like you kind of develop over time, like, oh, like I'm getting more and more and more into it. So like, I wonder if, you know, like the idea one was just to like throw him in, get him a racket and then let him kind of ask for more right yeah it's all about like my it's whole like thing is like right. i don't care if you ever become pro i just want you to love something i want you to learn what it is that feeling inside of you to love yeah. something and just want yeah. dream about it and want to do it all the time i i think well, the one last thing i'll say and i'll be quiet is no. um i i think it's really easy i almost look at it like relationships in some respect it's really easy to get into relationships. You get excited about somebody, somebody or you get excited about something and you jump into something and then you realize, oh my God, this is hard to get out of if it's not good. Yeah, breakups and, are not easy. I think it's the same with business, especially if you have like partners or you take money or employees yeah. and you like, you, you get a year in and you're like, ah, I didn't really think it was first of all going to be this hard and yeah. B was going to take this long and C, I don't even really know if I'm that, like you said, I, don't really care about it that much. And now I'm like, I'm not making the money I thought. That was the only reason I got into it. What am I doing? Now you, how do you extricate yourself out of that situation? So I think your, your advice is dead on. Yeah. And then also like, you know, it's kind of like people stay in relationships way longer because they're like, especially marriages or whatever, or, you know, because they're like, you know, what will people think? Or same thing with in business. They're like, I'm in this business because you know, like, I don't want to change professions because people will people think that I failed and they're just in it because of like the external, like appearance of it all versus just like, what is intrinsically motivating me? Like, what do I, if I close my eyes and really checked in with my soul and my heart, like, what is, 
driving me to like continue the down this path. And it's, I think we're, we're so motivated by stuff and by things and by shiny, you know, and by looking good, you know, on the internet or wherever that we just kind of forgot about checking in with ourselves. And so I think like if, if we did actually truly check in with like, what am I passionate about, you know, like, then it'll probably change your idea of what business you want to start or build or grow or continue like really, you know, pushing, pushing down the path, which is why, you know, asking the question, it's like, can I be passionate about this for about food, about women's issues and about, you know, sort of saving the planet and the global sanitation crisis and upgrading like a gross human current habit into a 21st century, just water experience. Um, yes, yes, and yes. And approaching it with a level of naivete, because if you if you know too much, it's, it might be too it might be too much. So it's sort of it's that interesting fine line. Well, that's a great segue, Mickey, to talk about Tushy, which we love so much in our family. And you know, we we bought one during the pandemic when people were hoarding toilet paper like there was a zombie <laughs> apocalypse. Right. And Scott was waiting online for like hours at you know Costco and Target you to could try buy, to get like a You could buy pack. anything else you want. You could buy you know first aid equipment. You could buy food. You they couldn't buy- get toilet paper. <laughs> but then I said to Scott, why do we even want the toilet paper? Because it's so gross and I actually had, after um, giving birth to Maxwell, I had like seven years of just really bad like problems going on, okay, with my like personal health and going to the bathroom from things that happened during my labor and delivery. And I was in constant pain, but no one ever explained to me. And I asked for help all the time from my former like OBs and doctors was like, I don't think this is normal. I'm pretty sure I don't have to like be in pain when I go to the bathroom. Nobody offered me the simple advice of like, go get a bidet. It's going to change your life. And so I have to tell you that I'm so grateful for this amazing invention, for the sheer fact that in my own life, I can go to the restroom and I'm not in pain anymore. Well, and also it's important to notice that to, to, to say that we weren't going to have like a professional bidet installed in our bathroom. Right. You know I mean? It's just, it was not realistic, but this was something that like you could get. And in like 10, 15 minutes I installed it and it was like, it was done. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and so it's been, it's been a game changer for us, but more importantly, you know, than that, there's this beautiful social mission behind the brand. And so you know, I want to ask you, Mickey, tell us about what Tushy is doing, one, to help save the planet, and then two, to help with hygiene education, and three, it's amazing because this is a trifecta, to help with the global sanitation crisis. There's so much baked into this purpose-driven brand. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. Yeah. Well, first, you know, just to share like the 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 why the when I why I started Tushy in the first place, which was born out of a, a, a hyperthyroid condition, which one of the side effects of it was like pooping up to eight times a day, eight oh times. Oh goodness! A day. It was like, and big poops. Like I lost, I went down to like under a hundred pounds. It was scary wow. for a while. I was just like, what is happening? And. Um, and so like going to the bathroom eight times a day and you're wiping and wiping and wiping by the time, like, you know, enough wiping, I'm just raw and it was just yeah. so painful. And so I'd have to jump in the shower and go like, you know, like just wash my butt. And it was so tender. And then finally my husband got me this like kind of crappy, like Asian product. And it was sort of like, 
and it was like a bidet thing. And I was just like, oh my God, I, it was a ding, ding, ding moment. I'm like, I'm going to create the best in class, beautiful, affordable version of a bidet attachment that you can clip onto your toilet and turn any toilet to bidet in less than 10 minutes. And, and it changed my life. Like it went, I went from like this painful, every time it was just dreading going to the bathroom to this like clean one, two, three experience. And I was like, oh my God, 30 million combined cases of, of, of chronic urinary tract infections, hemorrhoids, you know, um, plus millions of cases of bacterial vaginosis, of GI issues, people or people have just soft poops where they have to like wipe and wipe and wipe and it's just not yeah. like the one wipe, whatever, you know? And, um, and it was just, it was like people with disabilities who couldn't reach and wipe their own butts and needed help or people elderly or anybody just wanted to be clean post COVID now where people are like, don't, touch your poop like as much as possible like yeah. you know and and because that's literally how viruses bacteria and stuff is spread by your hands because you're literally wiping yeah. your butt and it just contaminates everything and so it was it was just such a no-brainer thing to create and and then to sort of share and i think the pandemic was you know we spent the last six years really kind of getting people to just learn about it, learn about it, learn about it. And then when the toilet paper shortage happened, it was like, you know, our company just literally blew up and it's been just a wild ride ever since. Um, but then, you know, the, 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 the real like soulful part of it is that to date, you know, we've helped almost 5 million trees getting flushed down the toilet. Um, we, we've supported, wow. you know, um, so many, if you go to our website, we'll show you like, you can see all of the different reforestry projects we're supporting the taking pig shit and basically resoiling the land all over South America, Central America, Mexico. Wow. Um, we are almost a carbon neutral business. You know, we're, we're, we're I would say we're, we're pretty much there, especially with all the give back that we're doing. Um, and then we've helped 60,000 families gain access to clean toilets in India through our partnership with Samagra and wow. by building clean toilets and, and supporting really the kind of education around why toilets really change, you know, villages and change the water systems and make people less sick and make kids less sick and make it the, the, the villages more livable because it doesn't smell like poop and gross, you know, just excrements constantly. It's it just, it's a place that you can go and, and, and go to the bathroom and then it, it actually um, turns the poop into, um, into soil as well. So it's just, um, it's, it's been a really, really, um, just like beautiful heart, heart opening experience to know that we're not only solving health and hygiene issues, but we're really solving a sanitation problem that really exists globally. Hey guys, just wanted to interrupt ourselves and remind you to subscribe to our podcast, uh, wherever they're found. You can also join us on YouTube for the full experience and subscribe there. And if you're enjoying the show, Please leave us a five-star review. It helps us a lot, helps us grow our community, get more listeners and do more episodes. So thanks for that. And I also wanted to mention that this episode is brought to you by Tushy. Are you still wiping your butt with all that toilet paper you hoarded last year? How's that going for you? Let me introduce you to a new way to clean after you handle your business. Meet Hello Tushy. Tushy is the modern bidet that easily clips to any toilet and installs in just 10 minutes. Starting at just $99, Tushy sprays a precise stream of clean water and washes away all of that literal crap that toilet paper leaves behind. Upgrade your bathroom experience by going to hellotushy.com. 
That's hellotushy.com. Tushy saves the environment and reduces your carbon butt print. Tushy saves you money on toilet paper and Tushy saves your butt. Go to hellotushy, that's T-U-S-H-Y dot com. Stop wiping, start washing with Tushy. True Heart is brought to you by This Saves Lives. This Saves Lives is a ridiculously delicious food brand that gives back. Every single purchase sends life-saving food to a child in need. Co-founders Kristen Bell, Ryan Devlin, Todd Grinnell, and Ravi Patel launched This Saves Lives with a simple motto, buy a bar, feed a child, we eat together. Now with more than just bars, their products contain premium ingredients and are non-GMO, gluten-free, and kosher dairy. Their unique line of kids' products all contain one full serving of fruits and vegetables and are safe for school. To buy their ridiculously delicious snacks, head on over to thissaveslives.com. True Heart is brought to you by Half United. For over a decade, lifestyle brand Half United has been using fashion to feed people all over the world. To break the cycle of generational poverty, the community provides gainful employment to local artisans and vulnerable communities who create their handmade and sustainable products. For every Half United product purchased, seven meals are given to a child in need. Half United has donated over one million meals to date. Shop their beautiful jewelry, tees, handbags, and home accessories at halfunited.com and help fight global hunger. True Heart is brought to you by Brothers Meatballs. Say ciao to tradition and hello to your new favorite plant-based Italian bistro in Los Angeles, Brothers Meatballs. Brothers Meatballs was founded by brothers and food industry veterans Mauro and Sergio Corbia, who hail from the Isle of Sardinia, Italy. When they joined forces with second-generation Italian chef Mark Middleman, their self-proclaimed brother from another mother, the concept for Brothers Meatballs was born. Moro was the founder and creator of Moro's Cafe inside Fred Siegel, a long-standing LA hotspot. Dissatisfied with the amount of plant-based dining options, reminiscent of the home-cooked meals their mother once made, the brothers were determined to create a menu so delicious it would appeal to herbivores and omnivores alike. Inspired by the food mama so lovingly prepared for Sunday suppers, these meatballs are a modern take on a family classic. All menu items are 100% plant-based and made with mama's secret ingredient, love. Angelinos can order lunch and dinner Wednesday through Sunday at brothersmeatballs.com. You've written a new book, Disrupt Her, which is yeah. awesome. And in the beginning of the book, you share this story about how you and Rada, your twin sister, were sent to the principal's office when you were 10 years old. And, you know, reading that and knowing you both well, I felt like it kind of foreshadowed how you would both grow up to have these very powerful voices. And so tell us about that, this incident and how it changed both of your lives. Yeah, well, so when we were 10 years old, you're sent to the principal's office and the principal said, you know, don't push the, because we were playing King of the Mountain. We grew up in Montreal, Canada. And um, we were playing this game called King of the Mountain, which is you push push people off the mountain at the top. Of the <laughs> and it's just like a fun thing that kids do, you know, in Montreal. And um, my sister and I would like climb to the top of the mountain and like people would try to push us off and we would just push people off and we became the queens of the mountain that day together. And, but we were pushing like boys off the mountains too. 
And so we were sent to the principal's office and the principal basically said, you know, you can't do that because you'll give the boys a complex. And um, we're like, really complex. And they're like, well, you know, that like, that like, you know, you guys can push boys around and boys, you know, are stronger. So it's sort of like this kind of like the strangest experience of kind of the conditioned system that we live in, where it's sort of like, who's supposed to be like building the, you know, the kings of the mountain. But when you're a queen of the mountain, it was sort of like frowned upon. And that kind of really showed up time and time again in in, in being a, an entrepreneur and being a, a boss and a, a woman in, in the world um, who's who's leading, and um, you know there's this there's a study called the Gender Bias Learning Project that did a, a bunch of, of studies around just um, different biases that that people have if two people are exactly the same way and say the exact same things, you know, but one's a man and one's a woman. The the man is is being seen as assertive and the woman is seen as bossy and and sort of toxic. And so it just sort of like, and then using words like toxic and like bossy, you know, are just sort of ways to kind of, you know, to, to, to disempower female leadership. And so this book wasn't really about bashing men or bashing the patriarchy per se. It was just bringing light onto the way, like just, just how the system was formed, how, you know, that this patriarchal conditioning was formed and how most men are also in the system of the patriarchal conditioning, which they weren't like, they didn't sign up for it. It just kind of happened and they're not down with it either. Cause like, you know, a lot of men I know want to be like house husbands cause why the fuck not, you know? And, or like <laughs> partners or be like, not be the sole person to be put all the pressure or they might love the kids more and want to spend time. Like, why are we all put in boxes? Like what the heck is that about? And so this book disrupt her, which again shows that it's written for women or says that's written for women because it's got her in it. But you think about the Bible, which is he, who, and man, and you're in like that women read the Bible, even if it says man and he, or you think about like, you know, Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, women, you know, across the board have read that book too. And all of a sudden when we say her and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's you know, or she, it's written for women. It's like, no, we can say disrupt her and it's written for men too. So this book is sort of just really disrupting every single notion that we have around just the system that we live in. Like, where did this conditioning begin? How did we get to this education system? Where did that conditioning begin? How did we think about the male-female dynamic? Where did that begin? How do we think about, how? Do, where do we get to this, you know, the the, the condition system of the way our, our political and also our the, 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 this sort of takedown culture and media, like where did, where did that come from? And, and what, what is that, what is that condition system? And then how do we break and disrupt all of those tired old condition systems that don't work anymore, that don't feel authentic to us. And can we have the agency and autonomy to do that and challenge everything, our relationships, money, our jobs, power, like the concept of power, the concept of re relational dynamics, like how do we, challenge and then disrupt all of those things like we can do all of it we just have to realize that we we just have to be given the permission to do that and so this book is sort of like a permission slip to really look at everything and i think it started with with, with really starting businesses in categories that are like well this is just the way it is and these are the products and yeah you have to just deal with it like you said you know just deal with this problem versus like wait is there a better way to do this is there a better way a better more efficient more thoughtful more environmentally friendly more 
you know, supportive way of doing something. And it's like, wow, like we've been so deeply indoctrinated to wipe our butts with dry paper. Like, like it's like the indoctrination is powerful. Like where else in our lives, money, like time, you know, jobs, business, like monogamy, like all of that is just a construct that we've been made up taxes, like our borders, like our passports, everything is just a made up construct that we could challenge if we so choose. And, and we can, we can disrupt and make better and improve. We don't have to accept the way it is. And so this book really does just does that challenge and then inspire you to disrupt with very specific steps on how to do that. And I, and I love what you do in the book, Mickey, because you're so right. There are these societal conventions, these old school ideas that are ripe for being retired. And, you know, one thing that Scott and I talked about um, before we got married is I've always been puzzled by the institution of marriage on paper. Yeah. You know, I believe that if you decide you want to commit to one person and you love each other and you want to spend your life together and maybe have a family, that should be between the two of you. Like, why does the government get to be right. in your personal relationship? But the reason why you have to, especially if you have children, get married on paper and involve the government in your relationship is heaven forbid if someone gets sick or something happens to your spouse or your children, you actually do not have any power to help your family unless you are married on paper. So you are forced to comply with this societal convention where the government literally gets to be in our relationship. And I think it's total bullshit. I, I, but I had no other choice because I knew we were going to have a family. And I said, if something happened to one of us or our kids had an emergency, I need to be able to prove on paper that we are legally married and it's garbage. Yeah, I, I could not I could not agree with you more. And again, these are all just systems that existed in the past to protect they were done altruistically in, in, like early on. And that's like really like, truly like these systems were created to protect the sort of the, 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 the less powerful, I guess. But then it kind of snowballed into making the government the ultimate power. And so like it's just about like how do you manage things that were started off altruistically, but then changed to being these like, you know, like corporations, you know, you think like I think about so so. Whole Foods is, you know, so John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods is my son's godfather. You know, he is the greatest human. He's wonderful. And he's, a, he's the real deal. And because they're a, you know, $20 billion company, they're now seen as a corporation. Meanwhile, he started out altruistically and it is still an altruistic business. They spent a couple hundred million dollars on just health care for their employees and taking care of their people. And it's just, but people just shit on them because they're a corporation because they're big. And so it's sort of like things start off, you know, can morph or things start off and can end up still good. And there, but it's just ever changing. It's how do we, how do we, how do we sort of, you know, like, like tally these things up and ask ourselves, is this still relevant to our lives today? Is this relevant to where we are today? Is this relevant to the way technology has gone today? Is this the relevant the way the family units are being with 50% divorce rates? Like maybe the institution of marriage is kind of broken, you know, or like maybe there's another way to do it that feels more in line with the way things are today where people feel like they have agency and autonomy to get divorced if they wanted to or not or stay or go or whatever you know, like, what are the, 
you know, like there, it, it, it does feel like as times are changing, the systems should change too. And that feels like it's slower than the times changing as they're changing exponentially. I think um, a, a thing I was thinking about what you were talking about being a disruptor and, and this whole conversation, which is fascinating is, and I'm sure you've heard of this, um, there's three stages to truth, right? Mm -hmm. The first is that it's ignored. The mm -hmm. second is that it's vehemently opposed. And then right. the final stage is that it's accepted as self-evident. And so if you understand those are the three stages, so, and I think that bears on your businesses. And I think anytime you disrupt anything and make people rethink what they're doing, the first thing is we're just going to ignore it. Doesn't yeah. it's not even worth our time. And then when you become a threat, now it's going to be completely vehemently opposed because you are threatening the the uh, world order or even if it's a business, a, a, a an industry. And then the final step, which is so funny, is now it's just accepted as self evident. Well, as if we knew it, we knew it all along. We yeah. always knew it, and and that's if you look at human history, that's kind of how it always goes. You know, like you, you, climate change is a perfect example. Climate change was completely ignored. It's been completely ignored. Now it's being vehemently opposed. Yeah. And then eventually it's just, be, of course, of course, it's self-evident. Why oh, would we think anything different? So I just thought that was- I wrote that down. That's great. That's awesome. Thanks. It's kind of, yeah. it, kind of, it kind of reminds me of like A Course in Miracles. I don't know if you've heard of A Course in Miracles, the book, and where, where their main thesis is nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. And mm -hmm. so like truth can't be threatened. And yeah. you know, what isn't real doesn't exist. And therefore like we can morph it and completely shift it to whatever it is we want. So yeah, I love, I love your concept. Special shout out to uh, your mention of Viktor Frankl. And I know you just meeting. you won my Scott's favorite, heart over. It's my favorite all time book because I I uh, I love to get your take on it because I I I just think it's well first of all what he went through is just unbelievable and people who aren't familiar with this book it's the when people ask me like oh what's your you know what do you recommend go get this book and read it it is it is a life changer it was like this guy. This guy went through the Holocaust, you know, and he was asking people, you know, what makes you not want to die? You know, he saw people were committing suicide. Some people just gave up. Why would you want to keep living? And so he put it through like this kind of experiment because I think he was a, a psychologist or psychiatrist. Yeah. And so anyway, I love that you mentioned it because I don't know if I've ever heard anyone else talk about the book. And uh, Scott talks about it all the I, time. I love it. It's a beautiful book. It. Yeah, it's just it's true. It is. It is like a true feat of, you know, like what does what does motivate you to stay alive? Like what is yeah. it? What is the meaning of it all? Like when you have meaning, you know, it does it does like when you have hope and glimmer of like something to like hook yourself to, then you know that's enough. Uh, and it's also uh, the thing I love about it is, I mean, you can't think of hard to imagine a worse situation than being in a concentration camp, right? In the Holocaust, like it's hard to imagine a worse place to be. And even there, he said, you still, you mentioned agency. You always have agency. You, they may take away all your rights and all your freedoms, but you always have the agency in your own internal experience. Am I going to let this break me or am I going to be uh, resistant? Am I going to take this and learn from it or I'm going to let it destroy me? That is your choice. And nobody, nobody can ever take that away. You have That's to true. give it away. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of marched through the fire myself, you know, a few years ago and it was that moment of just like, will, you know, like, could this really break me and, or could this, you know, help elevate me? And I, I will never forget this moment where I was like laying in my bed, like utterly pregnant. And I was just like crying, just being like, why, how is this thing actually happening to me? Like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm here. I am just trying to do my best to support women and change, change culture. And this, like this nightmarish experience is just happening. Like, what is this about? Why, why am I going through this? And I had this like Whoopi Goldberg, like out of body experience where I kind of, instead of her like entering someone's body, like a ghost, I kind of exited my own body. And I was like watching myself crying in my pillow, like utterly pregnant and asking myself that question, like what's going on? Why, why? And, and then I was just like, oh my, and watching myself cry in despair, I was like, wow, like I get to feel what betrayal feels like before I die, like the depths of it. I get to feel what the depths of sadness feels like. I get to feel what the depths of like anger and just like what the fuckness feels like and before I die. And I feel like so many of us live in this sort of like safer container and are so like, you know, it's like our comfort zone where the magic happens, you know, and like when we get out of our comfort zone, sometimes that requires us like being yanked out of our comfort zone into this like crazy, weird, like surreal world. And, you know, there's this like, I think it's Wordsworth that said this, was it Wordsworth? That just said like, you know, life shouldn't be, you know, like we shouldn't live our life like, you know, we shouldn't go to our grave in a well-preserved body. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. We should skid to it, like to mm -hmm. death or sideways, fully used up, worn, like just tarnished, like exclaiming, like, wow, what a ride, you know? And, and, and I Beautiful. think, and I think it's sort of like, that was my moment of just like, oh my God, I expanded my emotional capacity. I got to feel the depths of those, those agonizing feelings and which then allowed me then after that to feel like an even heightened level of joy and even heightened level of like, oh, wow, holy shit, we're alive. Like that, that kind of experience. And so it, you know, so um, I just feel like so often we feel like we're, we're going through really, really hard times, but it's just like, it, it elevates us in, in the, the, the deepest ways. Absolutely. And you got to make the choice, you know, of how you responded to that difficult situation and you didn't let it break you. And that was the beautiful thing that you were able to choose happiness and joy and love over fear and over anger and over resentment. Yes. And you're still here thriving and creating these amazing brands that are literally changing the world and, and saving lives. And so you know, Mickey, we're all about doing a little bit of good every day. That's important to Scott and I in our personal and our professional lives. So our last question to you is, what do you want your legacy to be? Huh. Um, I would just say, um, you know, like leave the world a better, the world a better place than I found it. And I think, you know, that is true. That is true, you know, to to help people question using creativity. And I think if that, if I can, if that can be my mark, then I'd be, I'd be happy. 
I think you're already doing it with all the cool shit as the title of your book, your first book said that, you, that you've done. And I think this is only, you know, your first chapter as an innovator and inventor and entrepreneur, someone who's already had three brilliant ideas, has three more follow up brilliant ideas. One is my legacy, my legacy company, though. Oh, my gosh. We cannot wait to yeah, hear about we're, it. We're going to have the Miki. Um, Museum next to the Leonardo um, <laughs> Museum. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm excited about this next one. It's called Hero. It's called it named after my son. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, when you're able to share more, we have to have you back and do an episode on that because we know anything that was born out of the love of your child is going to bless the world with joy and happiness. And I'm so happy for you, Mickey, on a professional level with all the success you've created with these purpose-driven brands, but then also more importantly on a personal level, because you deserve all the love and happiness in the world. And I'm just always, since I've known you just had so much love and respect for you. You're such a good human. So I'm, I'm happy for you that you have this beautiful family, which is growing and that you're able to realize all of these dreams with an amazing husband and son by your side, because that's what you deserve. I love your heart. Thank you. <laughs> You're the best. Yeah, I oh. feel the way. True heart. I'm like, of course. You know, it's <laughs> amazing. Thank you. Thank so you. Much. Thank you, Mickey. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for the time that you gave us today to share your inspiring story and lift up other people to go chase their dreams and make them a reality. And we can't wait for you to visit LA so we can hug you and hang out with you in person. I can't wait too, yay. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe to True Heart wherever podcasts are found and feel free to go over to YouTube if you want the full experience and subscribe there. Thank you again, Mickey. It was awesome to see your face. Next time, I can't wait to hang out with you in person, but really appreciate you sharing your inspiring story today. Yeah, I thought that was an incredible conversation. We covered so many different topics. And if you're an entrepreneur, or just a, someone who is loving life, you know, wants to learn about life, uh, there's no better person to learn from than someone who's been out there doing it. And as she said in the episode, uh, feeling the deepest lows and feeling the deepest highs. And that's what's all about this journey of like really, really skidding into the grave as she says from Wordsworth uh you know not in a well-preserved body but it's been completely used up and that's what it's all about yeah and don't forget you can join our true heart community search the web with us to change the world at trueheart.com takes about 10 seconds to make us your default search engine on your phone tablet or computer and all of your searches were power donations to our six amazing nonprofit partners. So keep it locked here. You know, you hear me say it every episode. We're not going anywhere. We'll be back next week with another amazing guest and more inspiring stories to share. So um, be good to yourself and to one another and have a great week. Thanks, guys.